2: Today we begin our highly requested series on the Menendez brothers. We'll start by learning about the family history following their father Jose's arrival in the United States and his rise from poverty to powerhouse. We'll discuss his outlook on life and the harsh way he raised his boys. Today's show culminates in a serious death threat, but not directed at who you might think. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you always
1: wanted a Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and horror movie mashup, stick around. I think we might have just what you're looking for. This is Necronomopod.
0: It had all the signs of a mafia hit when Beverly Hills police were called to the Menendez mansion that cool night last summer. I've been in this business for over 33 years, and uh, I've heard of very few murders that were more savage than this one was. No signs of a break-in or a burglary. Only the bodies of entertainment executive Jose Menendez and his wife Kitty in the family TV room, torn by shotgun blasts that one of the neighbor kids heard. Their college-age sons, 19-year-old Eric and 22-year-old Lyle, said they found the bodies after a night at the movies.
2: I did a yoga. Yeah. How was that? A hot yoga to be specific. (laughs) Yeah. It kicked my ass. I am out of shape. (laughs) Let's make no bones about it. I don't exercise very much. I am out of shape. I have never sweat so much in my entire life. Mm. I was sore before the class even ended. Like, Mm. how do you, how do you already get sore? Usually you're sore the next day. True. True. Yeah. I already started getting sore and, like, tightness in my muscles and stiff before the class even ended. So that's what I
0: got going on. You better watch out. You might get initiated into a cult. Is that how right. it starts? Baguan. That's what he was yeah. doing. Mm, I better be careful. That
1: Eastern stuff. It's blasphemy. It's <laughs> <ain't> American.
2: <laughs> it's a good thing uh, I'm woke <laughs> to the uh, cult cause and ways this show has educated me. I know the signs and what to look for. <laughs> Although I do feel... Somewhat like Scientology, and I was physically abused by that workout that they put me through. (laughs) Yoga Mike. Maybe I should just exercise more, really, is the problem. Maybe, maybe, But anyways.
1: uh, Can't get to heaven through yoga. Jesus Christ, it's the only way. So watch what you're doing. Pal, where
2: I am going, Jesus
0: will not be there. (laughs) (laughs)
3: That's
0: such a weird, I don't know, just a weird opinion to have. What? that just like yoga and stuff like that's evil.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> just a a weird mindset.
2: Uh, I'm a big fan of stretching. Like to me, stretching feels better than like a massage. Yeah. I just love the way it feels. So, and, and I've only been to, in my entire life, two yoga classes. And as much as that kicked my ass, I did enjoy it. It feels good. It's relaxing. Mm-hmm. You feel limber, loose, which is something like, I can barely touch my fucking knees bending over. (laughs) By the end of one of these classes, like I'm almost touching my toes. Hmm. Like it really does help. All the 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 heat helps too. You know, just kind of soften everything up. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I I was a fan of that. If that if that's gonna send me to hell, then let it stretch my ass out. Not in the literal sense. (laughs) You'll be ready for the the devil, pal. (laughs) (laughs) He'll stretch some asses out. There's he little Nicky? See what they're doing to Hitler yeah, down there? That's right. That's what I think about all the time. It's it's weird. Like I don't even like that movie. I know you like Little Nicky. I don't like it. It's one of the bottom of my list of Adam Sandler movies. But when I think of hell, I think of Little Nicky. <laughs> like yeah, And Adolf yeah. Hitler just taking it up <laughs> the ass. I mean, that's the hell you want to believe in, right? hundred percent. People like Hitler down there taking it up the ass.
1: Yeah. In reality, he probably accepted Lord Jesus Christ into his heart and then
2: right before he died, and he's up in heaven. That's all it takes. That's all those people
1: he killed. <clears> that's <throat> all it takes, though, right?
3: Yeah,
2: that's it. Got to repent on your deathbed. Hmm. I'm going to steer this conversation back to a good, a positive <laughs> direction here. <laughs> uh, three favorite Adam Sandler movies off the top of your head. You, you don't know, have to rank in the them order. any more. You don't have to. Okay. Just your three, maybe. If, like, if I had said, go watch three Adam Sandler movies.
0: Happy Gilmore, Waterboy. The one that I always think of. Billy uh, Madison. Yeah, Billy Madison. It's a good list.
2: Yeah. Little Nicky, Billy Madison,
1: and Click.
2: Click is on my list for sure. I like Click a lot. I know I'm forgetting something. Click, I love Happy Gilmore. There is absolutely something I'm forgetting.
0: Grown Ups? No, those are just okay. What was that one where he has a kid?
2: Big Daddy was pretty funny. That one, yeah, I don't remember that one. You don't remember Big Daddy, where he uh like adopts the kid, oh, like the okay, all and right. he's like teaching them all the wrong ways to yeah, live life man. and throwing canned food on the ground, <laughs> like <laughs> cans are half off. I feel like there's a big one. We're not. There is something. Are you going to Google on this? Yeah. All right, we're missing something big. I really do like Click though. Have you seen that one?
3: Hmm.
1: I, I think, think we've so. talked
2: about it recently that fucking the first time I saw it, it made me cry yeah, and I was like, why am I? This is a fucking Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> Mr. Deeds was good. Mr. Deeds was good. That fruit punch uh, water fountain he had in his house was just the best. <laughs> like Fifty First dates wasn't great. Wedding Singer, I think, is yeah. overrated.
0: Oh, I forgot about Wedding Singer. You Fuck. like that I one? I might put that. <laughs> I'm going to put Wedding Singer instead of Waterboy. Boy.
2: So Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, wedding singer. singer.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't think we're
2: missing no. All right, (laughs) I felt like there was like a big one we were missing. Okay, well that's it. I covered all. What was your list? I had Click, Happy Gilmore. Man, I might have Big Daddy over Billy Madison, but that's close. I like both of those movies a lot. (laughs) Billy Madison is so funny. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Listen, isn't it, awesome. isn't it Norm, Norm Macdonald and Artie Lang or his drunk buddies in it? Yeah. Just sitting around the pool all day.
0: And Chris Farley is the bus driver. That's right. She's so funny.
2: Yeah. Isn't his dad in that the dad from A Christmas Story?
0: That's
1: a good question. His
2: dad know. in Billy Madison, I believe, is the same dad from A Christmas Story. Oh, okay. Is Dave looking that one up for us? Yeah. I just didn't want to leave it as awkward silence. <laughs> I believe it's the same guy. Darren McGavin, you're right. Yeah? Right. Huh. Look at that. I would never have guessed that man's name to be Darren. Yeah. yeah no. that's, that's an <laughs> odd name for him. I don't like that one bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I got. It's a solid opening, I thought.
0: That was mm-hmm. fun. That was a good time. Yeah. It's like I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. I like these trial cases where like the, there's this whole back and forth to go, you know, very charismatic lawyers and things. Yep. And this one set off Court TV. This was the first really big Is that television their coming out party, Court yeah. TV. Mhm.
1: It's one of those uh, trial of the century ones, I know. They
0: they throw that term around a
1: lot with OJ and Everything else, but yeah. it was one of those that they called the trial of the century.
2: From mm. when they had like Menendez <laughs> brothers that went right into OJ and they're both trial of the century, <laughs> right. but that doesn't make any sense. You're like,
0: hmm. Yeah, we'll get to that eventually. OJ kind of he had a little bit of an effect on this. The second trial. Mm. Yeah.
2: The second trial. Whoa. Hmm. And take us on a roller coaster ride here over the next month and a half. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I see this one <laughs> playing out.
0: Um That would be a long time. (laughs) But I'm glad that we waited until now to cover it because I think my opinion might have been different Hmm. five years ago.
1: Some recent stuff out on this.
0: Yeah. And I feel like we've, we'll talk about in part three, but I think like as a society, we've grown enough to like realize that these types of things could happen. The abuse that we'll talk about. Mm and there's so many different ways to tell this story. I saw a lot of stuff starts with the murders and whatever, but it's going to go from the very beginning to the very end. So there's going to be stuff about their childhood that we don't talk about in part one, but we'll get there. So I know people are very passionate about this case now. Uh, I think that's probably true. We're not going to miss anything, we'll, which means okay. we're, going to get, we're going to get the angry messages of how did you not
2: even talk about <laughs> yeah. this? And how did you not talk about that? <clears throat> Trust the process. Ian and I are trying to do that with the WrestleMania process right now. We're (laughs) we're trusting the
0: process. (sighs) Fucking Dwayne. He's just Dwayne. He's not even The Rock anymore. Just Dwayne. (laughs) So start at the very beginning. Jose Menendez was born on May 6th, 1944 in Havana, Cuba. He had two older sisters, Terry and Marta. And because Jose was the youngest by five years, he was babied by everyone in the family. His father was a famous soccer player who also owned a very successful accounting firm. His mom swam for the Olympics and was inducted into Cuba's Sports Hall of Fame. Everything was perfect for the Menendez family until 1959 when Fidel Castro took power during the Cuban Revolution. Castro's government started taking property from upper middle class, got rid of leases and mortgages, and seized farms. So... Almost Cuba o- lived
2: happily ever after. Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> like almost overnight, they just weren't this affluent Menendez family anymore. Well, that's what happens when the
1: communists take
0: over your country. Sure, mm-hmm.
2: they fucking hate people being rich. Not, uh, not a fan. We, we tried taking Castro out in the '60s. It was unsuccessful.
1: They started planning almost as soon as this happened to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. The CIA. Eisenhower
0: signed off on it. Kennedy was in
1: office and uh, Bay of Pigs was a total disaster.
0: Weren't there a lot of really silly ways they tried to assassinate him?
2: Mm -hmm. That was under Bobby Kennedy said he never gave the CIA approval, (laughs) but there was a meeting and the CIA left that meeting understanding that they were given approval to take Castor out by any means necessary, including like, like gimmicking like exploding pens mm. or like a little poison that they someone would put in his tea like just the most like I don't know amateur-ish stuff like you'd be like the CIA you can't do fucking better than that <laughs> and none of it worked and then you know some would say that Fidel Castro ended up killing JFK a lot of theories on that we'll save that
0: for a retribution 98 parter one day <laughs> so since their lives pretty much changed overnight made the decision, along with a lot of other people, to flee Cuba for the United States. In 1960, Jose was 16 years old and the decision was made that he would be one of the first from the family to leave. Jose flew to the United States with Terry's fiance and they started to build a new life in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Jose's story is really like that picture perfect American dream. He came to the United States literally with nothing, only the clothes that he was wearing, no money, he spoke no English.
1: 20 years later,
0: another great American
1: with a similar story came over to the United States via the Muriel Boatlift. His name? Tony Montana. One of the greatest (laughs) cocaine importers in the history of cinema.
0: I thought you were going to say someone for real.
1: (laughs) Scarface. Absolutely. 100%.
0: I've heard of it. Have you ever seen it? I'm not on trial here. (laughs) Jose enrolled in high school and worked his ass off to learn English and get good grades. He did various part-time jobs to provide for himself, one of which was a dishwasher for a restaurant. He said that it was such a demoralizing job for him that he went from this upper-class life in Cuba to washing dishes, and he promised himself that things were not going to be like this forever.
1: It's not unusual, right? I mean, there's a lot of Iraqi doctors driving cabs in this country, right?
2: It seems to be a pretty common story, yeah. yeah. I like the motivation. I like the go get them attitude. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, but he's going to take it to a whole different level. He gets pretty out oh, of yeah. hand.
2: I'm just saying right now, I like <laughs> yeah. his mindset. Like, I'm better than this. I'm going to work my way up.
0: Go get him, kid. Like his parents, Jose was a really gifted athlete, and he took after his mom with the swimming. In high school, he was part of the swim team and quickly became a star athlete. His swimming earned Jose a full scholarship to Southern Illinois University, but he didn't really fit in. People made fun of him and what they called his Ricky Ricardo accent.
2: Lucy, I'm home. Good job! They like pulled that. that audio clip. Amazing, right? Yeah, that's like that was live from from then. How did you even get that? I don't know. It just happens. You did a Carl Monday. Oh, Ricky. <laughs> Meaning you did an investigatory. You didn't fuck. You might have fucked, but that's not what we're talking about. That's yeah, for me to know and you to find out, pal. How about that? <laughs> I, I don't need to find out, actually. I'm okay. That's <laughs> well, not very nice of people. No.
1: No. Rude. Racist, rude, bad people. It's probably their fault. Everything else that happens. Mm.
2: I don't like the implication that America was a racist country. <laughs> <It> was. <laughs> <laughs> like don't want that impl- implication either, Ian.
0: <laughs> but one person who did not make fun of Jose was Mary Louise Anderson, who everyone called Kitty. It's like Kitty. Guess she had a nice <laughs> pussy? You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't explained, so I thought I'd ask. <laughs> it, yeah, it was not explained. <laughs> was it a magical <laughs> vagina? <laughs>
1: Seems like a common nickname in those, I don't know, the 50s or 60s. Oh, Kitty. Like, you seem to hear that a lot, no?
2: Just wondering where that came from. Because it's... Like, Hi, Mary Louise. Yeah, We're like, going to call you, you Kitty now. Where does that come from? Like, it's not like Catherine or like where it's like cat, Kitty. That's what I'm saying. Where does, where does that come from? A nice vagina. You think so? No. No one was seeing no vaginas idea. back then. They didn't have sex. <laughs> there was too much hair
1: covering it. Well, it
2: was only when you needed to, you know procreate yeah that's sure that's all the sex that was happening back then (laughs) there was no sex for fun in 1940s men were dying in war dave there was bigger things to worry about is that right they weren't fucking at all not the patriotic ones (laughs) maybe the degenerates they were killing nazis they weren't fucking that's right they had a lot to do yeah that's i don't know kitty Eh, not a fan of the name why don't you find out for us by next week you want to do a whole history show on Kitty? I,
0: I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> feel like that would be a letdown. Six sentences. <laughs> Here's the name Kitty. Kitty was born on October 14th, 1941 in Chicago, Illinois. She was the youngest of four siblings, and they lived a comfortable middle-class life. Her father owned an air conditioning business, and her mother stayed home and took care of the kids financially they were comfortable but her father was very physically and emotionally abusive to everyone in the family when kitty got in between elementary and middle school her father just ditched the family for another woman he left them with nothing to support the family kitty's mother found a job with united airlines a lot in common with jose that seemingly overnight her life just changed especially with the finances something to bond over right shared experience definitely yeah during her senior year in high school kitty applied and was accepted to southern illinois university when she started college kitty worked in the university's broadcasting department where she learned a lot about producing radio shows as well as tv programming her dream after college was to move to new york city and work in either radio or tv when kitty met jose she was a senior in college and he was a freshman and they hit it off like they were inseparable so pretty quick into dating they decided that they were going to get married Mike, is it okay
1: for seniors to bang freshmen in college?
0: Is that socially acceptable?
2: I don't see why not. When I was a freshman in college, if a senior wanted to bang me, I mean, I've always liked older women. Yeah. Like, that's kind of a a big turn on. Yeah. So if I was 18 and a 22-year-old, like, when you're 18 and just getting to college, like, 22-year-olds had their shit together in your mind. Mm. Little did you know, you could be 42 and you still don't have your shit together. Yeah. But fuck yeah. I'd be like, oh, they're experienced. They're tried and true. <laughs> tried and true. Like, let's let's do it. Fuck yeah. All right. That'd be all right. I think Jose probably felt the same way. He probably did. Wanted to get in me. that kitty. He was loving America at that point. Though. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, fuck this dishwashing. I'm fucking giving it to that 22 year old pussy. Uh, Excuse me, I'm, kitty. <laughs> I don't know. You ever seen uh, Cuban ladies?
1: Pretty happy over in Cuba as well,
2: but he didn't have that option though, That's what right? I'm and back when he, well, how old was he when he moved? Maybe back then he didn't really, he was too young to appreciate it. 16. Oh, he was appreciating it, yeah, he was appreciating <laughs> <He was laughs> it. He was missing it. those Cuban ladies probably I'm, I'm a little bit. When he had those <laughs> probably a little bit.
0: This one isn't a very accepting time, you know, there was all civil rights were being fought for. So when Kitty brought home a young Cuban guy that's like four years younger than her, her parents weren't thrilled.
3: (laughs) What? Really?
0: (laughs) (laughs) By this time, Jose's parents made it to the United States and they were living in New York. They weren't big fans of Kitty either. They felt that Kitty was beneath Jose because she was from a family of divorced parents. And they thought Jose was too young to get married. However, that didn't stop them. And as soon as Kitty graduated in 1963, they went to a courthouse and secretly got married.
2: How about that? I like that both families look down upon the other family. For different reasons. Yeah, for completely different reasons. When she brought him home, was he like, Hello,
1: Kitty's parents. I'm home. <laughs> Hello, racist parents. <laughs> Jose's here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm fucking your white kitty I think that's the sitcom we all need <laughs> that would have been alright <laughs> she's like oh Jose <laughs> think of how great that would be as a, as a TV show and the, like they're neighbors but then each one is the enemy in the, in the in-laws home <laughs> and like they're just talked <laughs> down to and belittle that's good so add that to the Cooldown Media Productions. Yeah, we'll get that right remember up. Remember that one? We came up with an awesome movie. What was it? I can't remember a, a single somewhere? thing about it. We came up with an awesome movie. We gave a verbal
1: copyright on the air so no one could steal our idea. Yeah, what yeah. was it? Come on. <laughs> I don't remember a
2: single thing about it. <laughs> we, I don't either, but I remember us talking and being like, this is a fucking good movie. Somebody's going to remember. Let us know what that was because yeah. it was fucking awesome. Uh, hey, Jenny, could you let us know what that was? <laughs> yeah. And the way it's going, we could probably sign Nick Cage right now to a deal. <laughs> he is accepting everything. <laughs> he, is, he is not saying no to anything.
1: Imagine that we go fund a fucking Nicolas Cage movie. and You
2: two out. would have boners <laughs> for six months straight. It makes, well,
1: it, it makes a billion dollars overseas. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's great. All right. We need to figure out what the fuck that movie was.
0: After they were married, Jose decided to leave Southern Illinois, and transferred to Queens College of New York. He wanted to ditch swimming, sports altogether, really, and just focus on learning business so he could achieve that class status that he swore that he would get. In 1967, Jose graduated from Queens College with a CPA degree and then got a job with an accounting firm. At this time, Kitty was working as an elementary school teacher, but their first son, Joseph Law, was born on January 10th, 1968. And at that point, Kitty became a full stay-at-home mother. American
1: dream right here, fellas. Yeah. It's going to be a happy ending. I just know it. I feel
2: it. We'll probably wrap this up in one part, I think.
0: <laughs> the following year, Jose was given the job of auditing Lion Container. Lion Container was a client of the firm that Jose worked for, and they were really happy with how he handled the audit, so much so that Lion Container asked Jose to quit the financial firm and just to come work with them in Chicago as their controller. Jose took the job and the family moved to Hinsdale, Illinois. In his first year, Jose completely turned around Lion Containers finances and made them into a very profitable business. This resulted in Jose being named the president of Lion Container just a year after working there. This
2: motherfucker's on the fast track.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's
2: we'll get into it. I have more thoughts as this as his career progresses. There must be something about him, the way he gets himself into positions that it he doesn't quite seem yet credentialed for. We all know so, people like that, though, that can talk themselves in and out of But That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's something. Is he charismatic? Because he doesn't, from what we'll get into later, seem like a likable guy. Mm-mm. So what is it? Is he just that damn good that he's in positions? Yeah. I'll, I'll save it again. We'll We'll get into it more. But like. Within a year, you're the president of the company now?
0: Yeah. I think the biggest thing is how he was able to make businesses very profitable. And one of those ways was cutting jobs and stuff and, and cutting costs. We'll talk about it. I think in this part, maybe another in part two, maybe the trial, whatever. But he, somebody said that every time Jose came to a branch of something or whatever, somebody was getting fired that Yeah, Right, day. right,
1: right. Look, that's what the board's looking for above all else most of the time is profits. And this guy comes in, turns a failing company around, giving record profits, then yeah.
2: I just want to go on record and say that in the last 10 minutes, you guys have now insinuated that America is racist and that America only cares about money. (laughs) How dare both of you? I am offended and appalled. Did you just get off the boat
1: from somewhere here? I, it seems like you're not you're not familiar with the United States This
0: is great country for me.
2: I like you, peoples. Do you like me? You will be my boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> In
0: 1971, Jose had a falling out with Lion Container about where the company was headed, so he quit the job and took a job with Hertz Car Rental as an executive. In the car leasing division, which required the family to move to New Jersey. That same year, Kitty gave birth to their second son, Eric, who was born on November 27th, 1971.
1: Less than a month later, Dave Namapod would also be born
0: in Massachusetts,
2: USA. Damn. (laughs) That is a long time ago in Massachusetts, USA. That's right boston guy you will be very offended by kevin costner's accent in uh 13 days Uh,
1: eric eric you're not from boston kevin costner in
0: 1973 jose became hertz's chief financial officer and after six years he rose to be their worldwide general manager and this is where jose becomes like an absolute monster to deal with Did he
1: hire O.J. to do the Hertz commercials where he ran through the airport jumping over shit?
0: He did not hire O.J., but they were close. Okay. There's pictures of them together during the Hertz time. Hmm. So O.J., I didn't know this. Maybe we talked about it in the O.J. show. I don't
2: remember. He was
0: a spokesman for Hertz. Oh, yeah. He did the commercials and shit. Like, Hmm. he'd be running next to cars and stuff. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But, yeah, O.J. would come over to the house. There's a really good uh, okay. documentary with Eric talking on it. Um, but yeah, he said O.J. would come to the mm. house and play football with them and stuff. That's
2: pretty cool. O.J. was Kunta Kinte's father in Roots. He played Kunta's father. Was he? I believe mm-hmm. he was. And okay. this is back when they were still in Africa and they you know, they were being captured and okay. attacked. Right. And I, I think Roots is very... It's it's fantastic. It is awesome historical representation of everything that was happening, except for the one scene where, like, the white men roll up and OJ takes off running and they're able to capture that motherfucker. Are you kidding me? (laughs) That's true. Like, you didn't have the guns back then or any equipment to fucking catch OJ. So (laughs) let's let's not get, you know, crazy here. That's just always, one thing I always remember is he fucking just starts booking. I'm like, Oh, there's no way you're not catching that guy. <laughs> Juice. Come on. Juice. <laughs> like, this is just science. You are not catching that guy.
0: Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. They do. So this is where Jose really becomes like this cutthroat person. We'll talk about it in part three when they have character witnesses for Jose. Not a single person had a good thing to say about him they couldn't find one person hmm. i guess think like that stereotypical ceo or something like that that's just brutally mean to everybody screaming at everyone you can't you're like walking on pins and needles around him because if you do the slightest thing wrong you're fired you're yeah. just gone
1: i don't know if that flies anymore but yeah
0: you think of like the 1980s ceo like yeah. storming around shit. Sure. Ch- sure. yeah
2: yeah, I don't think that will fly these days. You got to kayfabe it a little bit, right? Like Vince McMahon did. Someone will get a video
1: of you and you're going to be on TikTok and yeah. the board's going to fucking fry yeah, your ass right. the next day.
0: There was someone that he worked with, another executive that he worked alongside with, that said when he had found out that Jose was murdered, it's like, well, it's not really surprising <laughs> that someone killed him.
2: <laughs> it's,
0: that's not what you want to hear. No, they're like, no.
2: They're like, oh. Finally? Yeah. Someone got him? This long? Yeah. In
3: 1980,
0: a new president was hired on at Hertz and did not get along with Jose at all. As a result, Jose quit Hertz and moved to RCA's entertainment division, which RCA owned Hertz. Jose worked on the records division, so he was responsible for signing artists like Jefferson Starship
1: that explains who's hiring garbage garbage bands like <laughs> Jefferson Starship the guy who used to be running cars is now hiring That's, artists at RCA this
2: is what i mean like how is he in this position we
1: built this city uh, on it's probably the worst song ever made in the history uh, of music i don't agree catchy. with that
2: one stop it <laughs> it's catchy i'm not saying it's a great song but oh i think there's God. a lot of worse songs than that i don't know yeah. I can think of a lot of well, worse I songs can't think a of a worse song than that. <laughs> <laughs> no um, wonder this motherfucker why is, signed him. Why is this guy in
0: this position? Just who he knows, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm
2: yeah, I what qualifies you? Like, at first, when I read it, I was like, oh, maybe he's just the contract numbers guy. Like, somebody else is like, hey, we have this band, Jefferson Starship. We want to sign him. He's like, okay, here's what we can afford for them at this time. Hmm. But it sounds like, no, he was working with the bands, like, finding them, making the deals. He was in a rent-a-car place. Yeah, like- <laughs> and before that, he was a CPA. <laughs> yeah, executive
1: <laughs> talent and, and, and experience translates to a lot of things, but maybe not the music business, right?
2: I, I don't see how it would.
1: Yeah. That seems something you should come up through the ranks for, to get
2: that experience. Um, <laughs> yeah, at least have a good ear for yeah. things. Maybe a background in music yeah. of some sorts. Yeah. You went a nightclub at one point, and you saw a lot of bands come through. Something, something relevant.
0: And by this point, he's a millionaire. By I'm this sure, point, he yeah. is a a very powerful millionaire.
2: And maybe that's just it. He was. He, he had the wealth. He had. Just the power to kind of and maybe he was a bit charismatic and can get himself into those positions. Yeah. Clearly. So, who was the best band that he signed then? Do we have that information? Duran Duran. Yeah. That was the top one, best Eurythmics one.
1: Eurythmics, I read also. All right. Hungry Like the Wolf. Yeah. It's good fucking
2: tune. I like that song. By nineteen
0: eighty-five, at forty-one years old, Jose had risen to become the executive vice president and chief operating officer for rca records worldwide operations so multi multi-millionaire he is in the top percentage yeah that probably um, pays
1: pretty well huh yeah
0: and also at this time things aren't great between kitty and jose the, no you, way <laughs> jose how you could picture him like the stereotypical ceo screaming around yeah Think fucking of, his secretary yeah, well, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But think of Kitty as the stereotypical wife that just drinks and takes like Xanax to <laughs> just yeah, so she parties to be able <laughs> she knows to, how to have a good time <laughs> to like be able to stomach yeah Jose get through your day. Yeah, she's just staying with him because he's a millionaire and she yeah. just is fucked up all the time, having her vodkas all day long and yeah. popping pills every two
2: hours.
1: What the Stones call it, Mother's Little Helper. Is that what it is? That's
2: not Mother's Little Helper. It's probably the worst song of all time, Dave. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Come on. <laughs> I don't know the song. Really? I am mean, sure I do. I just don't know it off just naming it. That is shocking to me. Rolling Stone's Mother's Little Helper?
1: Yeah. I, prob-
2: <laughs> I would have to listen to... I'm sure I probably do. I who knows? But if it's about... Al- alcohol and xanax it sounds like a good song <laughs>
0: <laughs> there were uh there are people will talk about it too on part three that testified at the trial and stuff that they had never seen Jose and Kitty hug each other mm. like no emotion at all so just kind of together for the
2: the social look of it yeah then they act there's not an actual relationship there
0: yeah in public they are the all-american family family dream behind the scenes Jose is having multiple affairs. He's very abusive. Mm. Like I said, kitty's fucked up all the time. Mm. It's a complete shit show behind the scenes.
2: It's all a facade.
0: Yeah. We're peaking And that's
2: true right now. It's kind of what Jose wanted, right? Like he just wanted the appearance that they were a great family. Mm. Everyone was was well to do and smart
0: and hoity toity. And his his infidelities were very very in depth. It's not not all just like hooking up with somebody. Like he had a mistress in Manhattan that he was buying an apartment for, and they would like entertain people and shit. Like these re- like mm. thousands and thousands of dollars parties and stuff. So yeah, it was, it's just not do a what g- you
1: want when you're at that level, huh? Yeah, with no repercussions. At, at all. least
0: that's how you think. Like you're just in another.
2: You're in your own world. You create your own world. Well, because what's she gonna do? And that's exactly what he's thinking. Yeah. What's she going to do? She wants to leave?
0: Yeah. Kitty just is, uh, mm. she's a very sad part of this story. Yeah. Regardless of her issues we'll talk about, it, like yeah. with abuse and stuff, but yeah. you know, outside of that, she's a sad character in this. In 1986, Jose was getting tired of being the chief operating officer for RCA Records Worldwide Operations. He wasn't turning it into a profitable operation that he had hoped for, and there was one story about him ended up actually lost the company like twenty five million dollars because he like tried to fudge the numbers and like push. He pushed out a ton of records and they didn't end up selling. Mm. So yeah, he, probably Brooks and Dunn, huh? Almost to listen shit. Nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> Through the context that Jose had made while working at RCA, he was able to get hired as the president of Live Entertainment in California. Live was a VHS distribution company, which was owned by Carolco. Carolco produced movies and (laughs) real big ones like Rambo. Mm. So Jose had a hand in all of that. What I want is for
1: my country to love us (laughs) as much as we love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want fucking love first blood it was awesome
2: (laughs) they got it right back then those (laughs) truer words have never been spoken
0: what a great movie so with that jose had done what he had sworn to do he was a very very powerful millionaire executive working at the top of hollywood but like we said that everything was a shit show behind the scenes between 1986 and 1987 kitty had found out about all those affairs that jose was having which led her to be severely depressed and suicidal. She was just drinking nonstop, abusing Xanax with other drugs. That picture-perfect life on the outside, but behind closed doors, not good at all. It's almost like Jose is like struggling to keep it kind of all together.
2: Like, I want to look like I'm powerful. I'm rich. I'm good at my job. I have this picture-perfect family, and then it's like popping at the seams almost.
1: He probably doesn't
2: realize he's struggling, though.
1: To him, it probably looks fine. He's not overly concerned
2: with everyone else. Maybe he's too conceited to see that it's... Sure. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Because whatever happens on the inside doesn't matter to him at all. As long as nothing is done publicly to embarrass him, you know. He doesn't care. He doesn't care, yeah. And everybody has to listen to him, which we'll talk about. To work for Live, Jose would need to be in California. So it was decided that Jose, Kitty, and Eric, who was still in high school, would move to Calabasas, which is an upper-class suburb in the northwestern part of San Fernando Valley, while Lyle stayed back in Princeton to attend college.
1: I think uh, Kim Kardashian used to live in Calabasas. Mm -hmm. How about that with Kanye? Yes. Mm. How about that?
0: There were some Adidas. Calabasas branded clothes too uh, that had to do with oh. those two.
2: Is that also where they lived when they split up and then he got the house across the street?
0: I'm not sure. Oh. That was super weird. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding the upbringing of Lyle and Eric, Jose was obsessed with the boys being raised to continue what he thought of as the Menendez legacy. Jose micromanaged every aspect of their lives, what they could or couldn't eat, regardless if they liked it or not, what they wore, what sports they played, they didn't have an option in anything. And there's never a single ounce of love. It's all criticism and what you're doing wrong and what you could do better. Every hour of their lives were like this. He also wouldn't let the boys have friends, too much distraction. So as a result, the brothers grew very close to one another with Eric really, really looking up to Lyle almost in like a father figure type way. Eric always wanted approval from Lyle and would pretty much do anything that Lyle asked him to. As far as sports were concerned, Jose didn't want them participating in any team sports. They needed to be solely focused on themselves, so he decided that the boys would play tennis, and they were really fucking good at tennis because hmm. they had to be. Like he, they, he right, <laughs> they were forced all day, every day Mm-mm-mm. tennis and they get to pro level, you know, right around there, mm. but
1: well, I guess team sports you would end up having friends, right? So and you have to rely on others for your own success. Yeah, sure. sure. This way
2: it, he Might can get control. Make a sh- it. shitty team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah if you you're just, a, you're shitty yourself if you
2: can't win. If you're on a football team and your quarterback can't throw, well Exactly. Right. Jose can't control that.
0: Mm. Tennis, huh? Okay. Wake up for Four or five in the morning, hit tennis till it was school time. Go to school, come back, hit more tennis balls. Archery.
2: (laughs) Archery, sure, sure. Score, score. (laughs) What's the the Winter Olympic game when you have to, like, run through the snow and then you also shoot the archery? Decathlon,
1: cross-country skiing. Why couldn't they do that?
2: Why couldn't they do that?
1: Well, they lived in Calabasas, and I don't think (laughs) you can (laughs) cross-country skiing in (laughs) Calabasas.
2: So this guy couldn't buy a house in Colorado (laughs) and train (laughs) them?
1: That's the best sport ever, decathlon.
2: It's the most ski, random. Stop, shoot, ski, stop. It's shoot. the most random sport.
0: For elementary school, the boys went to Princeton Day School, which was a private school.
1: That's the last school named Princeton that these yahoos or uh, yahoos are qualified to be in. <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: Both boys had issues learning, issues with reading, things like that. By sixth grade, teachers were recommending that Lyle be held back a grade, but maybe it's a a payoff or something like that, Lyle just moved forward. Teachers warned Jose and Kitty that Eric was dyslexic, and if they didn't correct it fast, it could be a lifelong issue. But Jose wasn't hearing it. There was nothing wrong with Eric. He refused to acknowledge any flaw that the boys had. After a while, Jose and Kitty were doing the boys' homework, so their grades went up. But teachers knew that their homework would was 100% done by someone else because in class they could barely read. Um, (laughs) Is that a good plan? Don't you see a fault in your plan
2: of when you're doing this? It's that arrogance, right? Like I'll make, I'll make this happen.
0: Mm. I mean, he decided, Jose decided before they were even born that they were going to be, his children were going to be successful Ivy league educated kids and, do all this fucking great stuff. So
1: maybe get him a tutor. Not do their homework for him. He never accounted for the fact <clears throat> that his kids were going to be dumb. <laughs> yeah. are they saying Caddyshack? World needs ditch diggers, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone's going to an Ivy School, there, Jose. Hey, nothing wrong with digging ditches, right? That's right.
0: Also, as they got older, it was noted that they were very immature for their ages. At fourteen years old, Lyle was still having bedwetting issues. And playing with toddler type toys like stuffed animals and stuff, which there there might be a reason. We'll get into that in the trial, a reasoning for that.
3: Mm.
0: Bed wedding at
1: 14? That's rough.
2: Yeah, it won't be easy.
1: Nocturnal emissions,
2: okay. Not wetting the bed though. Can't do a lot of, a much about nocturnal emissions, no, right? No, it's, no. Just, it's in God's hands, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The Holy Spirit's jerking you off while you're asleep. It's not, oh, what, is that what it is? Who are you to complain? <laughs> he just said it's in God's hands.
2: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and when that Holy Spirit comes and jerks you off, <laughs> you might experience something in your sleep. It is not a sin.
1: I always like to think it was the Virgin Mary. Oh, now we're talking. Mm.
0: <laughs> like you said, Dave, that everybody, uh or that the world needs ditch diggers and there's nothing wrong with that Wild didn't like school he didn't want to do all this what he really wanted to do was own a restaurant that's what you know he didn't want to go to college when the senior year came around that's what he he wanted to get a restaurant but Jose said absolutely not
1: I get it I didn't like school either
0: Mm -mm. I tried it
1: Yeah, I understand that
0: I dropped out two times from community college I was like fuck this I never
1: finished college
0: I, didn't love it. I don't
1: love it. I prefer learning stuff on my own. I don't know. I just never really liked it.
0: Yeah, Lyle applied to Princeton in 1986, and he was rejected. Jose was beyond pissed off that Lyle had to go to a community college until he could apply the following year. In 87, Lyle applied again and also met Jamie Pizarczyk. Lyle met Jamie while she was working as a waitress at a restaurant. She was five years older than him and she was a tennis player, like really good pro level. You would think that they have a lot in common with the tennis, that Jose would be all right with it, but he was not thrilled that Lyle was dating. But he he kind of backed off. Then one day, Lyle came home and said that he and Jamie were engaged. Jose attempted to put his foot down on this idea. He pulled some strings and I'm sure gave some people some money and got Jamie sponsored for a pro tennis tournament in Europe. And he figured that the relationship would just fizzle out because he got her sent to Europe. But Lyle followed her,
1: of course. Hmm. <laughs> Getting your kid's uh, girlfriend, like, shipped off to Europe? This guy's next level, man. He's
0: a fucking lunatic.
1: Like, well, well, it
2: helped <laughs> her career, at
1: least, right? <laughs> yeah. so the positive. That, that the guys right. that he was working under? Like, what did he want them to do? Who? Like, no girlfriends, no friends. Like, what? It's Stay under like, his thumb, seems like. Really weird. Like, uh-huh. just thinking that that is going to result in success or any sort of normalcy in, in adulthood for these fellas.
2: Yeah, he certainly wasn't Man, thinking about bizarre. that.
1: It was just all the power. But what does that get you, I guess, in the end? You're going to have fucked up, you know,
2: fucked up sons. That's a recipe for disaster. I'm not sure he was thinking long term Uh, though, right? Like making himself look good when he's dead. He doesn't care whose lives he ruined. Yeah. Maybe.
3: Uh,
2: Let's just talk about something that's going to come back to bite you. Like obviously, of course it is. Well, in this case, it it won't come back to bite him. I'm sure of that, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm still interested to see how this plays out.
1: When are we going to discuss Lyle's toupee? Because that is the unsung hero oh, in this story. Oh, man.
0: That, that'll be part two. All right. That will be part two. That's a huge spoiler <laughs> They just dropped on me. <laughs> fuck. That's pretty early in part two, too. So you won't have to wait All right, very, very good. long for that. Very good. Big fan of toupees. I'm excited to talk about that, too. Because that so is such toupees, a fucking wild part of the story. Toupees and ugly sweaters. Why the fuck have we not done this for Halloween? <laughs> You I'll, could definitely be one of them for Halloween.
2: I'll do. Well, I'll do one of the Mendez brothers for Halloween. Do it. Which one am I? Do they have beards? Does one of them have a beard at least? No. Oh, I don't want to shave and show my fat face.
1: <laughs> well, Eric had a goatee at one point.
2: Right? I think Lyle had some
0: scruff at Somebody one point had, too. Yeah.
2: But I can buy like a like an old 80s sweater type thing and all pastel. Gotta be pastel. All right, that'd be fun.
0: <laughs> Pink and baby blue. <laughs>
2: oh, those are my colors. Yeah. They make my eyes pop.
0: (laughs) Lyle ended up getting into Princeton based off that 1987. Motherfucker couldn't read. He's getting into Princeton. Uh, There should be a
1: federal (laughs) law that like legacy and rich kids and whatever the fuck else goes on in these schools should be illegal. Merit based only.
2: The they Legacy are, laws are are weird.
1: You're letting some dumb motherfuckers get in these schools and perpetuates more dummies in this country.
2: What what benefit does that do to an institution to just have a legacy rule? Is it is it the donations? Donations is and, that and what and they, it po- is? they pay full price.
1: Legacy pays full price. What? Presumably they're wealthy, so they're going to be paying full tuition, unlike you know lower income people who are going to get
0: scholarships. And I'm sure, like you said, donations, whatever. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, my, jum- my dumb Lyle uh, didn't get in? Uh, how'd you like
2: a new library wing, Princeton?
0: <laughs> yeah. That's why he got in. Yeah. I mean, this
2: is like my, the most extreme situation of it, though. This kid literally is illiterate, and he's going <laughs> to fucking Princeton. Good luck, pal. And for him, like, the poor kid, like, he didn't sign up for this. He even want to go. No, he just wants to play tennis and dick down his tennis girlfriend. Give he doesn't even want
0: to play tennis. He just wants to own a fucking restaurant. He just wants
2: to dick down his tennis girlfriend yeah. and make fucking shawarma. Sounds great.
0: Uh, I want some shawarma. Cuban
2: food. Open a
1: Cuban restaurant. <laughs> Cuban food's awesome. Give him some seed money, Jose. Let him open a restaurant.
2: Fucking asshole. To be clear, I just wanted shawarma. I'm, I'm aware it's not Cuban <laughs> food. I just have been thinking about yeah. shawarma, and that's why I said it. That's fair enough. Yeah.
0: You don't have to explain yourself. Well,
2: he said Cuban food afterwards, and I didn't want people to think that I thought that shawarma was Cuban mm. food. I might be illiterate, too, <laughs> but I'm not that illiterate.
0: <laughs> as soon as Lyle, pretty much as soon as Lyle got to Princeton, he got caught plagiarizing another student's work. <laughs> that's weird. And what it was was like poor guys just trying to get by
2: like he's just like trying to tread water not drowning. I don't blame him.
0: Somebody left behind uh, like one of their assignments and he and he just like word for word copied it like straight (laughs) up word for word when Um, you can't read
2: you don't know what to change. And Are we being harsh though? I mean he can read at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Oh,
1: yeah we're read. being harsh.
3: Yes. I mean,
2: I don't know. I'm I don't assuming he could probably the, read. Literally. I I think he can read. Yeah. We're being dramatic. Yeah. That's right. For this episode, we gotta be careful. Everyone's gonna be all upset. Yes, I, I'm sure he could read. But could he read at a Princeton level? Probably not. Was his reading comprehension skills at a Princeton level? Probably,
0: probably not. not. And remember, he's on the East Coast by himself. The rest of the family's out in, in California. So he confided in his sister or in his aunt Terry, who's Jose's sister. Yeah. And she just went and ratted him out and told Jose all about it. She probably scared of Jose. Yeah. And Jose really didn't give a shit. He just had someone like a PR person write a professional statement for Lyle to read to the Princeton people, to the ethics board. I am very, very, very sorry.
2: <laughs> Did they write uh, it? Like I feel like uh it's when Charlie writes his notes and oh, always sunny, and yeah. it's just pictures and symbols. <laughs> and like, what does this even mean? I feel bad. We're being a little a little unfair. I,
1: I was un, un, uh, unaware that to play play plague plague. I think a dumb and dumber
2: was a new annual.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jose just thought that these rules didn't apply to him or Lyle.
2: Like, oh, a professional statement.
0: This will clear everything up and we'll just move on. Right. Like, I don't give a fuck if you got whatever you did. I don't care. It's Um, the image. Yeah. But Princeton said, no, they suspended Lyle for a year.
2: What do you think about that, Dave? They didn't even expel him. Suspended for a year. (laughs) They took action. Well, plagiarism doesn't necessarily, well, nowadays it probably means expulsion. Mm. But, I don't know, back then did it mean expulsion? I don't know. I don't run in those circles. You tell me. Mm. College
1: Uh, man. I wasn't in Princeton circles, (laughs) and I certainly didn't plagiarize.
2: (laughs) I wrote all my shitty homework myself. (laughs) And if you read it, you would never accuse me of plagiarism. Was this guy hammered when he wrote this? <laughs> yup. <laughs> Give him that degree.
0: Sees <laughs> get degrees.
2: They absolutely do.
0: <laughs> Jose was furious at Lyle, not for the cheating, but for getting caught and not being able to persuade the board. Jose beat it into the boys' heads that the only rule in life is to not get caught. So for the next year, Jose put Lyle to work at Live. Lau had to check over expense reports and find ways to cut costs. Pretty much what Jose started out doing. Um, Uh, Dad, I think we should use
1: double-sided printing techniques, and we will have to buy half the paper
2: (laughs) next year, and we will cut costs. Just fucking blew my mind. See? Look at that. (laughs) Clearly, I don't subscribe to that. Maybe I should. (laughs) A poor printer is on its last legs over here. (laughs) Hmm. Smart. Promoted, he's promoted. Executive vice president, and you're running the company of, of cost cutting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but Lyle saw how his dad treated people at work, and like how brutal he was. Mm. And it really, he's later on said that it has like, got to see this whole other aspect of just how nasty he was to everybody.
1: You'd be embarrassed, right? Like you're there having see your dad treat people like this.
0: Be did, awful.
2: Did it make sense for him then, getting in what we're going to talk about with like the abuse and stuff in later parts? Like, did it just add up that he's just like, oh, I guess my dad's just a piece of shit in every aspect of his life? Yeah, yeah. Like it
1: shouldn't have been a surprise to him, based on how he treated his sons. Yeah,
2: that's what, maybe for Lyle. It was just like an eye opening experience. Like, oh, yeah. he's a fuck in every aspect of his life. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not
0: just me who's a victim. Sure. When Lyle went back to Princeton in the fall of 1988, he started his relationship back up with Jamie. And through Jamie, Lyle met a guy named Donovan Gaudreau. Donovan had recently transferred to Princeton and him and Lyle became best friends. Super, super close. Jose liked Donovan and specifically the fact that Donovan was willing to do Lyle's homework so he didn't fail classes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jose, sure. (laughs)
0: Fast forward a bit to spring break. When everyone got back to the dorms, Donovan was accused of stealing from other students' dorms. This got back to Jose, and Jose told Lyle to throw Donovan out and never talk to him again. Lyle didn't believe that Donovan stole anything, and even if he did, it was, like, they were very, very close. We'll talk about it on part three. Um, Lyle and Donovan? Mm-hmm. But just out of the fear and all the control from Jose, Lyle, and a couple of students threw Donovan out, and Lyle got on it. And was like yelling at him with everyone, "Like get the fuck out of here!" And uh-huh. deep down, like on the inside, he didn't want to do it at all. But you know, he's so scared of his dad. In all the chaos of yelling at Donovan and get the fuck out, he left behind his wallet and his driver's license, uh, and also his social security card. But he said, "Fuck it," he would just get them replaced, and he left that wallet behind. Hmm. Poor Donovan. Lyle picks up that wallet. So. Really? He does, yes. Hmm. Also, you should never
1: carry your social security card around. Bad idea. Put that in a drawer somewhere, Jack. <laughs> <out>. <laughs>
0: have
2: that in a fucking safe. <laughs> Jesus. With a passport. <laughs> fucking stupid, are you?
0: So that's what, that's what Lyle's got going on up until mm. late 80s here. Circle back to Eric and focus on what his life had been like during this time period.
1: Well, are we going to circle back? to Does he do something with this wallet or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, trust the process. I'm just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sounds like our, our,
2: our fired up listeners. <laughs> yeah. on, Why you motherfuckers are you even talking about what he did with the wallet?
0: Part two on the wallet. All right. Very good. Just... And the toupee. And the toupee. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Stick around, folks. Maybe that's how wallet. we bought the toupee. Wallet and toupee mm-hmm. talk coming next week. <laughs> Motherfucker.
0: So Eric is living with Jose and Kitty out in California. And he was a sophomore in high school when they moved out there. Jose loosened up on him a bit. Uh, He let Eric have a group of guy friends. However, Kitty was really concerned about Eric's sexuality. She thought that he was gay. So when they moved to Calabasas, Kitty told Eric that he had six months to find a girlfriend or he was gonna be in major trouble. There was a lot of physical abuse here. Like, Jose would beat the shit out of both of them. close fist, punches, mm. and stuff. So, not like, mm. yo, you're going to be in major trouble Like get your money taken away. Like, serious you gonna know, ram- fuck out of Yeah, you. ramifications if you don't find a girlfriend.
1: <laughs> it's so fucking weird. Yeah.
0: What if he had no games? Like,
1: stop it, Dad. I tried. I couldn't get a girl. Okay? <laughs> it,
2: that's... Like Six months, and you, now you're thinking about your mom and dad telling you, like, oh, you got to do yeah. this. I got to get pussy. I'm going to get beat up at home. <laughs> Can you just fuck me? <laughs> and it was Kitty that told them. Mm-hmm. So it's your own mom telling you, you better get laid, or your dad's going to whoop your ass. Yeah, it, that, that makes for a good boner.
0: <laughs> this whole time, Kitty's just as mean to them as Jose is.
2: Mm. Is it just out of protection for
0: herself? I don't know. She never told them that, or she, she just, loved them. Uh, this is according according to them, and we we obviously know what happens to Kitty and Jose. They were never told that they were loved, anything like that. Was, oh, emotional,
1: emotionally stunted parents born in the forties don't know how to tell their children they love them. That's <laughs> weird. <laughs> what a shocking
2: admission. <laughs> mm. I'll ask my grandparents about that day.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let me tell you what if I was. Uh, 16, fucking rich, living in Calabasas. I'd have had a good time. That well, sounds like a nice setup. you if have got the shit kicked out of you every day? I'd have got that girlfriend. <laughs> I'd have got that <laughs> girlfriend. I'm going to get that girlfriend.
0: <laughs> well, he he did get a girlfriend eventually.
1: Ah, there you go. Nice. Good for you, Eric. Goddamn, he got some pussy. <laughs> I'm going to make my dad proud. <laughs>
0: He had that, uh, that group of guy friends, too, that we talked about, and one of the closest friends that he had was a guy named Craig Signorelli. Craig was the captain of the tennis team, and Eric was the number one ranked player on the team. Craig and Eric spent a ton of time together, and they wrote a screenplay called Friends. The script was about a son from a wealthy family who reads his parents' will and learns that upon their death, he will inherit $157 million. The son murders everyone to get his hands on the parents' money, and then he's eventually killed, which we will 100% be bringing this up in the future. (laughs)
1: Really? Why? (laughs) So Eric was
0: the number one
1: ranked player on the team, but Craig was the captain. Why is that? I don't know. Leadership skills. Hmm. What a racket,
0: huh?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Good God.
0: It, it, the interesting thing about this script, and like I said, we'll talk about it in the future, but like Eric was super proud of this and wanted to get it into his dad's hands because he thought, like, oh shit, maybe my dad'll like write a movie or, you know, could make this into a movie or yeah, something or yeah. give me some critiques on it. Kitty read it and laughed at him. And Jose was just like, this isn't worth my fucking time. And he never read it. There might have been some foreshadowing in this that Jose maybe should have read this this script, potentially. Yeah, Mm. maybe. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, even if it's whatever it is, it's still demoralizing. You know, you write this whole fucking thing, and then your dad's like, no. Yeah. Well, especially your dad's in the entertainment business. You're like, I got
2: an in. Yeah, can you imagine just being like, no, I'm not going to take the time to look at something that you created?
0: Hmm. It's just weird. I don't know. It's almost like a serial killer type thing. Like that level of coldness doesn't even register in my mind. Yeah. To yeah. be that mean sure, to people. Sure. Yeah.
2: Well, maybe this is why nobody had anything good to say about Jose later on. Mm. Like, I don't even talk to strangers like that. Right. Let alone your own kids.
1: It's very yeah. odd.
0: In July of 1988, Lyle and Eric started to break into houses around Calabasas. These homes were owned by parents of their friends, and they stole tons of jewelry and cash. Lyle and Eric were implicated in thefts amounting to over $100,000 in cash and jewelry. Then one night, Eric got pulled over just on a routine traffic stop in Calabasas, which led to the discovery of tons of stolen things that could be linked back to these houses. Jose was furious and his whole thing was to keep them out of prison. This is an embarrassment. Fuck, who cares about the stealing of the items? This, is, this could be a, a big, embarrassing thing. So he hired Gerald Shalef, who was a high-profile criminal defense lawyer. Shalef managed to negotiate a deal with the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. The agreement would clear Lyle from any involvement in the burglaries as long as Eric assumed full responsibility. Given that Eric was a minor and had no prior offenses, Shalef successfully argued for a lenient sentence. Eric was ordered to do community service, which consisted of uh, helping out homeless people, and both brothers were required to get psychiatric counseling. So they got away with that as far as the law was concerned. Jose paid the victims $11,000, covering the cost of the items stolen by his sons that they pawned (laughs) off. I've been reading the book by uh, Robert Rand. It's just I think it's just called the Menendez Murders. The way he writes it is like it almost sounds like a like rich kids board type thing. They don't have anything else better to do. So I, like, fuck I, it, we'll just break in these houses.
1: I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. Do you think the LA County DA cuts deals like this all the time with kids from South Central Los no. Angeles and they get similar deals when they're caught breaking and entering and burglarizing? in a word no (laughs) (laughs) these fuckers
0: so as they were driving home from the meeting where Jose paid out the $11,000 check he turned to the backseat and told Lyle and Eric that if they ever embarrassed him like this again he would kill them and not an apparent way of saying like oh I'm gonna kill you like so fucking mad at you whatever it was I will kill both of you and I will not think twice about it and that's where we'll pick back up on part two
2: what a guy. Seems like a great dad. It's a wild part one where we spend so much time like building up the victim in the overall story yeah. as such a villain. It's interesting to see how this plays out.
0: There, There's a yeah. lot of debate and I keep going back and forth on this. On what I think should now should happen in the future because they have a lot of supporters now.
2: Well, we'll we'll get to that, right? Yeah. We'll be there. It's a lot different weeks. time
1: than it was, thirty yeah. something years ago.
2: It, yeah. it certainly has is. Okay. Well, but but not getting ahead. Anything that you in your notes for part one that we didn't touch on, or anything you found interesting about this kind of upbringing?
0: No, I mean it's the Jose story is super interesting. How he goes from nothing to the top of. The food chain in this country, as far as wealth and that's yeah, really good job, it's bizarre. And if he wasn't just a general piece of shit person, like if he worked it, if he didn't make it that far, he would still be a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. Like it, he, if he wasn't like that, it could be a really crazy good success story. Like,
2: yeah, coming from nothing. Yeah. Working a lot from a dishwasher to fucking running RCA.
0: Yeah. Like, if he was just a nice person, halfway decent, it would be a really good success story. Yeah. All right. Well,
2: a couple more weeks to go on that one. Dave, what do you got on your end?
1: I got a bunch of new patrons, Mike. That's what I've got. Woo! We'd like to thank the following new patrons. Jessica Vanek, Coral Peterson, Mike's Moist Bussy Slave. Esquire <laughs> Ghost Lover Jill T Ailsa Hell Priest 80 Mr. Muggs twin sister Ms. Juggs <laughs> not familiar with her. <laughs> hmm. They probably shot her too. <laughs> Brigadier Bukaki of the Second Butt Clappers Brigade. <laughs>
3: Jesus Christ.
1: Wesley Cragg, Jonathan Stewart, Aaron Griffiths, Claude Rains, Jay Berm, Charlie Braswell III, Savannah Porter, Colonel Cleavage from the Areola Air Force Academy. That's a whole lot of alliteration going on in that one. I do love alliteration. Mercy Bartley, Kaylee Humes, Todd Lewis, Aiden Tadlock. Iden Martinez, Lauren Barger, or Barger, Joey Watkins, not here to fuck spiders.
0: No, I'm not either. That <laughs> sounds gross.
1: I mean, uh, I'll, I'll kill a spider, I'm not gonna <laughs> fuck it. That's Australian slang, if I recall from my past uh investigatories into Australian language. I'm not it's here to fuck spiders
2: what? or just fucking spiders.
1: It's like if you if someone says something to you like like, you show up at the bar and you're like, oh, are you here to have a drink? I'm not here to fuck spiders. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. I think I got the context right on that. All right. I'll be told differently. That if, sounds
0: very Australian, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really make
2: sense. <laughs> <laughs> Did you sell any Vegemite? I've never had actual Vegemite. I think we just threw it away the other day. It was way uh, past the expired date. Someone should send us some Vegemite. I want to try it. I'll do it live on air. We had those Vegemite... The, the little cheese it those crackers, are and those we are all good. like those. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would like Vegemite from what I have get seen. It on Amazon, we get here tomorrow. No, I want someone send it to us. <laughs> I want it to be on It'll cost them fifty bucks to ship from Australia.
1: Get on Amazon. Well, that
2: sounds like their problem, not mine. <laughs> the hell out of here.
1: Anita Analingus. <laughs> <laughs> Ella, Tegan Henderson, Clay Joyner. Cal Cahill, Amanda Helia. Raven Holmes, Sugar Sweetie, David Doolin, Adrian Clark, Skoden, Nikki Turner, Sir Joseph Earnshaw, Kyra Lore, Stephen Black, Trip Applegate, Carrie Ann, Aaron Orr, Stazek Borowski, Hot Cream of Potato Soup, Matabui, Tismanian Devil. Rebecca Knapp, Caroline Haugard, Kara G, Callum Houghton, Amanda Chambers, Monica Kachi, Kaki, Kachi, Kaki, sorry, Cryptid 3D, Madeline Breen, Corey Geisbrecht, Jeremiah Walker, Jamelin, BJ, T O Tingle, TN11283. Michael Burdett, John, Jackie Rodriguez, Rob and Eve, Jen Leslie, Sharon, Stephanie Dewhurst, Matt Feldman, Papa Midnight 69. (laughs) That guy fucks. (laughs) Talking about Carl Monday. Papa Midnight 69. (laughs) That guy's balls deep in something right now. All right. Kate Bartlett and Krista. New patrons. Thank you so much.
2: Ian, what do you got?
0: For iTunes, I have one for Nikki DVSP. And Mrs. Hildebrandt is a foxy lady.
2: Damn no right she is. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on your end, Dave?
0: Yeah,
1: I actually have one make good. Uh, got left out of the list. Sorry. Okay. It's Booty
2: uh, uh, um <laughs> Booty Hole. Booty hole. (laughs) Booty hole. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I don't think that counts. (laughs) Um, Booty hole. Booty hole. Booty hole. The show was almost over. Oh, my God. I actually
1: have a military shout-out, too.
2: No, we haven't had one of those in a while. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Thank you for your service, Uh, disabled U.S. Army vet, uh, patron. And this is... uh, I want the drunkest person to say my username as fast as they can in honor of our stars and stripes. So I'll give. Maybe we'll all go around the horn and see who can say it. Okay. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. <laughs> Irish. <laughs> Irish wristwatch. <laughs> That's.
2: <fun>. How many <laughs> times I going to say it? Three times. Are right, you good? You want me to go? Sure. Iris. <laughs> <laughs> what was? The, say, but say the actual name again. Irish. Wristwatch, Irish, wristwatch, <laughs> Irish whist- wristwatch, Irish whist- wristwatch. No, nope, can't do that one.
0: Irish wrist. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> <It's tough>. <laughs> seashells,
2: seashells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's easier. I think even.
0: Irish wristwatch, Irish wristwatch, Irish wrist. Damn it! I got <laughs> two. As soon go. as you
2: try to say it fast, it know. fucking messes you up.
0: All right, good one, pal.
1: Well, thank you for your service. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And thanks for listening. Thanks for being a patron where all the great content resides. All the additional
2: great content. That's at patreon.com slash necronomapod.
0: I was thinking about that episode we did not too long ago. Or oh, it has been a long time ago. I was thinking about that episode, uh, Circleville Letter Writer. <laughs> yeah. That we did on that Yeah, That was a a fun one. Circleville, Ohio, right? Was that an Ohio one? Absolutely. Somebody's Mm. getting real weird writing all those personal letters to people. That
1: was fucking wild stuff. Mm -hmm. You want to make a Super Bowl prediction here since this is a Super Bowl Sunday release show?
0: 49ers. I'm going with the Chiefs.
2: (laughs) I feel like the 49ers have just consistently been a better team, but the Chiefs have so much momentum right now. I'm. I think I'm rooting for the 49ers only because I like to just see, you know, new winners every now and then. Yep. You know, I'm gonna go Kansas City wins. Yep. I think I think Kansas City does it.
1: Same. 34-24. Oh, you're even Chiefs. doing a prediction on the score.
2: 34-24 Chiefs. I was gonna say I will drink between 24 and 34 beers. <laughs> does that count as a prediction? That will also probably become partying reality. at Just Brew Coffee's house. <laughs> <laughs> Um we? we'll I, see. I'll throw a score out just to do it. Would you you said 34-24 Chiefs? Mm. That's a good prediction. I'll go 3128. It's gonna be real close All with a right. field goal. That's a good one. I feel that's like I price it righted at you there, but it is what it is.
0: I'm gonna say 2117 San Francisco. All right.
1: I'm going to bet all three of these now just so I won't be left out in the cold if one of them hits.
0: You're going to bet the
2: uh, over on 24 beers for Mike Namapod? (laughs) (laughs) I always bet that over. (laughs) Uh, We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomopod, Patreon.com slash Necronomopod, All kinds of good stuff, including the Circleville letters. That's a way back Patreon show, but that was a good one. Yeah. Um, available now with lots of other good content Uh, Amazon.com search Necronomapod for all of the uh, all of our merch
0: all right you guys ready for a cool down beer
2: cheers